This is a mystical adventure. Hello, hello, and welcome. I'm Nick Korn. Joining me on a very special episode tonight, we have, from the Fast Karate for the Gentlemen podcast... What's up? I'm Dave. Also, very super secret special surprise guest we have from the Greatest Movie Ever podcast and Silicon Chickens. Hey, this is Paul Chapman, sometimes known as the Almighty Gubrazilla. I heard that Dave was going to be involved in this, and I said, oh, I can do that too. Yeah, just fucking jump in on everything, why don't you? Like a parasite. I'm like a remora, and you're like a whale shark. It's actually fine, because as I warned Nick on Twitter, I remember basically nothing from Seeds of Raids 2, even though I played it every day for, like, a series of years. Right. That's okay, because it's not Streets of Rage 2. It's better than that. It's the Streets of Rage remake. So, fond memories of Streets of Rage. Let's start there. Well... Do, do you have fond memories of this game? <laughs> the, the, the total of my experience, it can be summed up with, uh, I came home from work one day, and I was living with my buddy Scabs. And I go into the kitchen, and he says, Hey, Dave, what time is it? And I was like, I don't know, like 3.30? And he's like, No, it's time to get drunk and play Streets of Rage 2. <laughs> and I couldn't argue with him. And that was like sort of my college career, because I guess it was like a Dreamcast collection that had Streets of Rage 2 on There was like a like an old, bunch yeah. of old Sega Genesis games. I don't remember anything really like, it was like Shining Force was on there. It was Shining Force and Virtua Cop and Columns and Streets of Rage. I'd for- I forgot about Virtua Cop. Yeah. Did that have uh, light gun support? I feel like I would have remembered that more. The Dreamcast did. That game didn't because that was on the, the Sega Smash Pack that came with most Dreamcasts. Yeah. I don't understand the point of a Virtual Cop that doesn't have the ability to let you shoot people in the dick with a light gun. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> I was like the dick shot master at that game. I, I had a Too mad... bad they didn't give you extra points for that. <laughs> I thought they gave you extra points for shooting them straight in the cock. Honestly, I, I, I thought that was... There There must have been some incentive, because I was doing it all the time. Well, yeah, there were varying points for where you shot guys. The big points were for shooting mm-hmm. them in the hand. That was like 5,000. To make them drop their weapon without killing them. Oh, I always thought it was just about the... Uh the dead shot you get them right before they shoot you and it's just like bam then again i've never known what points were i guess oh my uh memories of streets of rage 2 was it was the pack-in game with one version of the sega genesis which was the one console aside from the nes that i owned on my lonesome prior to my college days so i played a lot of streets of rage 2 and when I found out that it was available in the Sega collection for PlayStation 3, that's became the first PlayStation 3 great game aside from Little Big Planet, which I gave to my coworker because I was bored stupid by it, that I own. And <laughs> to this day, it's still the only PlayStation 3 game I own, unless you count like the downloadable content for the X-Men arcade game, which does not live up to my fond memories of yeah, the arcade days. It certainly doesn't hold up as well as Streets of Raids does. Oh yeah, I still I still love Streets of Rage too. I wish I was playing it right now. And uh, as far as side-scrolling beat 'em ups, it's definitely my favorite in in that regard. And I especially love the music for each of the different stages. Dave, you say that it it holds up, but didn't uh, didn't you say that sort of like 
the brawlers as a genre are kind of gone away with the um what was that last one based on a movie seven boyfriends scott pilgrim versus the world oh yeah i don't know that wasn't that fun uh but that's because i think primarily that's because it was it was so fucking long like it took like 20 minutes to beat the first stage whereas like you could get a whole game of streets of rage in in basically an hour so like just to get to the first boss and you've been playing for so long like people don't want to play those games for that long and then at the same time playing a game for a very short amount of time doesn't really appeal to people like if you gave someone the game it was like here's Streets of Rage you'll beat it in an hour and see basically everything there is to see about the game people will be like uh, well all these other games are like 10 hours long so where does the brawler live I don't think it lives anywhere at this point, unfortunately. The last thing that I remember playing that would could be close to be considered a brawler was the Bouncer, which was the first game I owned for PlayStation 2. And man, I dropped that game like a hot potato. Yeah, that, well, that game was terrible. But uh... Can't you say that you know games like Devil May Cry and games like that actually sort of have their roots in brawlers? Because it's like, here's a room full of bad guys, go and blow them all up, beat them to death, do whatever, throw them at other enemies... But uh, I, mean, I, I guess the difference being that those games have a lot more depth. I mean, Streets of Rage is a little more generous in that regard because it's got actual moves, even though most of the moves are, like, forward, forward, and punch. <laughs> I mean, at least there's some complexity to the system. And in, in the first game, you could call a police car to shoot missiles. It's, to my knowledge, it's not been followed in any other games. Uh, it's in the remake. In the third game, you could also play a boxing kangaroo. <laughs> That's the best character. See, like, I think the difference, though, is is it all comes down to to hand-to-hand or weaponry, because if you think of things like Bayonetta, like Devil May Cry, even Ninja Gaiden, um, it all seems to be focused on leveling up your skills with specific weapons, even God of War, like, that gives you a couple of different options. Um, and, again, I think some of it is also the 3D environment and the platforming elements that they'll try and throw in there. We don't really have the equivalent of a walk to the right and beat things up thing using the graphics capability of modern um, home computing systems. The the best you get is uh, Castle Crashers, which is like pretty fun, but does get boring after a while. Like I've owned it since it came out, and I think I'm about halfway through that game. Like we we go back to it maybe every year. It's probably been about two years, so I guess we've played it about three times. And I've rescued two out of the four princesses, so I'm making I'm making headway. Well, Castle Crashers is, you know, they at least try to mix it up a little bit now and then. There's a one section where you got to play volleyball with all the Arabs, and then you... different big bosses, but I, in the end, that, that is really a grind. But, you know, sometimes you think, where can you put complexity into these games? Is it just, you know, the enemies and how they respond, how many weapons you can put on the field? What... What about it? Is it is it just the fact that there's co-op and you end up hitting your friends more than the enemies that makes it fun in the end? Well, that's that's every co-op game. Now that you mention, I can't. You could hit your friends in Streets of Rage. I don't remember. You could. Yes, in sec- at least in Streets of Rage two, you definitely could, and you could actually do like piggyback moves combining with people. Where, for example, Max could pick Skate up and throw him, and then you could do a unique move that you couldn't do in a single player mode. Well, that was one of my two talking points. The first was talking about scabs, and the other was the combination of characters, which was. It was either Max and Skate or Blaze and Axel were, like, the two obvious choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
they each speak to one another's strengths. But I found that a lot of the the fun in Streets of Rage was sort of making your own mini games. For example, when I would play it, I never use weapons if I can avoid it. The only weapon I'll use is the katana, or if there's no katana present, um, the lead pipe, and only for specific bosses that are cheap sons of bitches that you need to whack with a katana a few good times to soften them up, because otherwise they just manhandle you. Like, for example, the big bald Russian guy uh, who is... Before him, there's like just a whole screen full of ninjas and people chucking bombs. And you need to hold on to that katana, so one, you can get rid of those obnoxious ninjas, and two, the big bald Russian guy on the... Uh, the uh, cargo freighter ship uh, doesn't just murder you with headbutts and, and boxing gloves to the face. But yeah. Um, so you're telling me that this knife I just picked up because I'm playing it now to refresh my memory <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> it's no good because it's taken 25 minutes to kill this fucking punk when I could have just hit him once <laughs> with terracotta. The difference, yeah, the, the difference also is um, you get less points for using weapons than fighting with your bare hands and points equate to one ups of yeah. which you'll need plenty of them if you're going to try and beat the game without unlimited continues because there are bosses in there that are just flat out cheap you know um, oh dude just stab me with a knife uh, <laughs> oh yell me again uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm quickly becoming uh the honeymoon is over with the knife. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I agree with you. Now I can't figure out how to get rid of it. I also just remembered that I've been using my... Uh, what, what would they call them? Like desperation moves? Where you do, you do, you do an AoE and it, it would hurt you? Yeah, I forgot that was a part of these games, and that's why I have no life and I'm on the first level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... Certain people's special moves are distinctly better than other people's. Like there's there's a directional special move in the second game where you push forward and hit the the special key, and some of those moves are pretty decent. But then if you're playing skate, the corkscrew move that he does while pushing forward and using the special is almost entirely worthless. And his break dancing uh, double capoeira kick special only works if someone's already got you in a in a hold, and only if you hit it in the second before they you know. They just punch you, you in the face, yeah. That's actually, last time I played it, sort of as my own little minigame, I played it just using Skate, and from the perspective that he wasn't a little urban kid on roller skates, but he was in fact a boy born with wheels for feet, and he was growing <laughs> up with that disability. <laughs> it, it, it brought a whole new level to it, because like, well, yeah, you can't always expect him to hit right on the first try, but he's making do. He's getting by. Well, the <laughs> other thing that's fun best. to do is to use the most ridiculously underpowered and insulting move to, to hammer on your foes. Skate, for example, everybody's got a move that if you push in the opposite direction and hit both um, jump and attack at the same time, you do the back attack, basically, to try and nail people that are sneaking up behind you. And Skate's is the goofiest-looking back attack in the game. It's this ridiculous flip that he does, mm. and he hits him with both of his skates. And I would just do that, I would lure people from across the stage. They would, I'd turn my back on them, and they'd slowly creep up behind me, and then I'd plant my skates in their face using that back attack, and then I'd let them get up, and I'd do the same thing over and over again, and you'd have to time it just right. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> you're fighting a computer. It can't feel shame. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter, because you still, if you don't time it just right, they'll hit you with that weak punch, 
which will stop the move entirely and if you are low enough on health is enough to kill you, which is like the computer's way of making you feel salty. Man, it's just who <laughs> come out of this with the least amount of salt. There are other there are other enemies in that game that are essentially um like every every heart based character in that game is essentially a, an abuse pinata. So if you allow them to even do a single move before they're dead, you you lose the game basically. The challenge is as soon as they show their fat face just to annihilate them, knock them down as soon as they get them back up, put a world of hurt upon them and just it's it's so much fun of using a fat person. I guess that's that's reasonable. <laughs> so Streets of Rage 2 is a game about beating up fat people and women. Don't forget the women. Granted the women are all the women are all dominatrixes with whips and stuff like that. Some of them electrified. So they want to be you of. Yeah, like this chick. I'm about to take it to her. Well, wait wait and listen for her death cry when you beat her. It, it'll haunt your nightmares. Okay. So if you find, you know, your own meaning in the game, does that make it enough? Or is this one of those games that really, if you're going to play it, you should go out of your way to play it co-op? Because there's a, a bunch of games which, you know, they're good on their own in some respect, but it's kind of, like, it's pointless without co-op. I'm thinking of uh, Gunstar Heroes here especially, actually. Well, my opinion is that any game should be co-op. See... My opinion is that co-op only works if you've got friends to play it with, and since I don't have <laughs> yeah. those, and and I've logged many a happy hour doing the single player on a Streets of Rage 2, and again, although co-op might, might make for some really great videos when Dave and Graziella are playing together, um, there is the inherent danger of, you'll be right about to put the royal hurt on somebody, and then all of a sudden, you know... Dave hits you in the back of the head with a trash can, <laughs> trying to trying to get you know. It's like I don't want this knife. I got to throw it away. Ah! I just stabbed my partner in the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's how you get longevity out of these games. Because if you just played them for real, they're over in an hour. Hmm. But if you beat the shit out of your friends, <laughs> infinite fun. Going back to the idea of bosses that are cheap and it's all about timing. That's sort of the thing. By having another player, it's they're not really helping you. You know beat up enemies twice as fast so much as they are just making it harder for you to do it and that's you know that's where the challenge comes from it's like oh we have to deal with having the same space now we're just gonna you know cause issues it's cool that the game had um combination moves which it's probably not exactly rare like the simpsons beat em up had them but it's nice when games make that sort of concession towards the fact that you are playing with another person and it's not just like playing the single player game Except with two people. Like Double Dragon, for example. The original Double Dragon. Or, I mean, I, I don't think the X-Men game had any co-op moves. You were just sort of... You had another person there, so you had twice as many special moves to use on the boss. Yeah, well, the X-Men is, is one-button helicopter when you take the idea of shoveling quarters in the arcade machine out of that. When I realized that, all the fun went out of that game after downloading it from PlayStation Network. But yeah, the X-Men arcade game would be like the perfect example for the Fastball special if someone's playing as Colossus and someone else is playing as Wolverine. But no, no. Instead, it was all, Welcome to die! I had pretty much the same experience with, I, I guess it was pr it was probably the Ninja Turtles game on Xbox Live. That's when like things really came to head, and I was like, uh, oh, these games aren't really that fun anymore, because, like... 
I really liked the Ninja Turtles one. I mean, it had an infinite continue, so, like, I just yeah. kept playing until I won, and I was like, oh, yeah, the the real big deal about this was that you never had $5 at a time to beat the game, so there was always this mystery about what would happen past the point you couldn't beat. But is that any better than, you know, games in the modern day that will just game over you back to the title screen, and you just don't, you know... Who's going to put in the effort to play over and over again, even if it is for free? Who designs those games? I mean, who makes a game that you have to play through in its entirety with no continues and no save points in this environment? Uh, there is this uh, indie developer uh, whose name escapes me right now, uh, Loco Melito. He made this game called Hydora. It's an R-type Gradius-style side shooter. It's got about 12... 14 stages in it and you only get to save three times in the entire game it's still more than zero i mean it's more than zero but there's something to be said for mastery but especially with games like shooters uh it's really only mastery in the most basic sense you're really just working on your pattern recognition so yeah i mean i think those games can kind of fall by the wayside and we won't really be any less for not having them I think we've left those things in the dustbin of history because back in the day, the limit of the computing power was really what determined what kind of games were being made. Children had to adapt themselves to some of this you know, terribly written programming. I mean, I watched some of those angry video game nerd videos for games that I used to play religiously as a kid, and I'm like, what was I ever thinking? But it's what you had to do. All those garbage games, like Renegade and just crap like that, <laughs> like you played because you got one game a year, and you were like going to force yourself to enjoy it. And I don't know, that's why I don't really truck so much with stuff like Ikaruga, which is like really pretty and has kind of cool fight mechanics, or yeah, I guess fight mechanics, I don't know, you're a plane. Um, <laughs> but like, it's, it really just comes down to like, you get to the third stage, and you repeatedly die until you know what pattern to avoid the crushing walls. Essentially, all those games are like that level in Mega Man 2 where you have to fall down the pit. So the blocks. Avoid the, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, they avoid the spikes, yeah. Uh, or the beams. Uh, I mean, not... I, yeah, the beams is the one I'm talking about. The spikes, the same difference in the water levels. Like, And nobody likes those parts. <laughs> I, I actually got... Um, for the PlayStation 2, one of those Mega Man packs where they've got like 10 Mega Man games yeah. on one CD. I got rid of it because I put it on like the dummy difficulty level, which did not have an, a discernible difference in the actual difficulty levels of the games. Gave myself five lives instead of three. Those games continued to kick my ass as an adult. And I don't know how I ever thought that that was fun. I mean, I made it to like the Cyclops on Mega Man 1. I'm like, oh my gosh, the Cyclops. I've never made it this far. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, it's going to be for real. And uh, maybe I managed to beat the Cyclops once and immediately die on Dr. Wily. You know, I mean, like... Well, he's just, like, really the, the most obvious example of that kind of bullshit. Like, just, you have to know his pattern exactly when he goes from side to side in the room. Otherwise, you just can't beat the game. So it's like, okay, well, I'm a kid, and Mega Man is my only game, so this isn't so bad. I'll just keep playing it over and over again. I don't really remember what the continue system was like in Mega Man, but... Password-based, I think. In the first one? Yeah, one of those, like, 26-character passwords, too. Well, I remember in in Mega Man 2... When did they have the dots? They started giving you, like, yeah, the dots, and you had the blue and red dots that you had to put in the grid. That was 2. 
at least a better sort of password than the River City Ransom, which was just like everything. It was alphanumeric and basically every symbol you could think of. And there were just like thousands of variables, which, you know, to their credits, they were working with the Nintendo and they were like, how do we remember six sets of stats for two different characters? Mm. Like that's probably about the simplest way they could have done it. Even Mega Man, they came out with Mega Man 9 and 10 not too long ago, and they, you know, kind of upped it. Like, it's the same as it was. It's tough bosses. It's all kind of just memorization. But, you know, they added uh, a better, you know, a real checkpoint saving system. And I was just playing it last night, and I'm still stuck on Wiley's Castle, because if you turn the Xbox off, you have to start from that oh. first stage again. <laughs> I had the, pretty much the same experience, and I just did not turn my PlayStation yeah. off. I just kept playing. I was like, because I, I think I looked it up. I was like, w- what happens if I quit now? Because Wiley's Castle is like a four-part stage. And it was like, oh, well, you start all the way the fuck over. And I'm on Wiley. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just playing this game until I beat it. <laughs> Which I guess does sort of evoke that, like, nostalgia of when you were a kid and you would leave the Nintendo on to beat something. Except that that, like, wasn't really a great thing to do. <laughs> like... No. Because it would always get turned off, and then you would just be so disheartened. Well, that end, it, it, this kind of game design was not built for children whose parents didn't want them playing the Nintendo all day long, all the That's time. That's also true, yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, had a half hour per day limit on Nintendo games, which I don't think I ever actually obeyed, but it was definitely an excuse for my parents to yell at me and kick me off the Nintendo if I... Uh, wasn't doing my chores or or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I had a similar experience. I was restricted to no Nintendo during like any sort of school day, so I would just like pray for holidays to come. And I remember when they were they were suckering people into getting Nintendo power by giving away Dragon Quest or Warrior, I guess at the time. Uh, it showed up on a Tuesday, and I was just like, oh, my God. And my mom was like, fine, <laughs> play the fucking game. And I was like, yeah. You were kicking the shit out of slimes left and right. Yeah, <laughs> which I never even beat that game. I, no, I have it to that this game day. was fucking hard. Well, here's, here's the question. I have not played the fan-made remake. Does it take advantage of any of the evolutions in gameplay that they've had since, you know, 1993? Okay, well, here, let me let me start telling you, let me start, you know, educating you about this remake. Um, it pretty much doesn't. Basically, all they've done, well, which which things are you thinking of particularly? Because they've done a couple of things. Um, I know they have branching paths, which is cool. Yeah, but so did Streets of Rage 3, right? Uh, that one did vaguely. Yeah, like you could go up or down, and it would determine which part of the stage you would see next. Yeah, it, it's... it's it's still exactly like that, but like every stage has a chance like that, and there's four different places to start, so there's a lot of ways to get through it. And you know, each stage has its own enemies. Sometimes, if you take a certain route, it'll have different enemies when you get to it later. But overall, that's you know, it's cool, but it's not all that big. They have like every character has ever been in a Streets of Rage. They have every boss from every series, all the characters. They even got the um, the the gay boss who didn't make it into the North American versions. Yeah, I don't remember his name, but he you could unlock him as a playable character, and you could go around slapping people. Oh my god! <laughs> Most of my knowledge is from Streets of Rage too, so this is this is new to me. I'm... In Streets of Rage three, there was this guy named Ash who wore like a purple vest and green knee high socks. 
Well, I saw him in fishnets, actually. Fishnets, high heels, policeman's jacket, policeman's hat, like member of the village people. So it's like the non-cross-dressing version of poison. <laughs> Let's not get into poison. Poison is complicated. Um, but no, Complicated would... at bed, <laughs> at night, in my bed, <laughs> when I'm naked um, and alone. Ash would like one of his moves was to slap people with a limp wrist and everything, and I think he would occasionally do like coquettish butt thrust. You know, it was like the most horrifyingly uh, inappropriate thing to put in a video game. And I I don't remember who they replaced him with, but they excised him from the North American release of Streets of Rage three entirely. There was the uh, Shiva, who was like the the boss ninja guardian. They actually just put him in that fight instead. I think oh, what they yeah. okay, yeah. You just sent me the picture of him, and I do. I've I've at least seen that on gaming blogs. I'm not familiar with it, but. I didn't really like some of the changes they made in the mechanics in Streets of Rage 3. There were some improvements, but I felt like the essential combo system at the heart of Streets of Rage 2 was was lacking from that game, even though you got to play as a boxing kangaroo or an old man who was also a cyborg. You know, I mean, these were good things, but something about the game just didn't have that certain je ne sais quoi. Well, that's one thing that they've done for the remake is they... They had to build the entire game from scratch just by looking at the old games. So they left in options, and you know, you can just go in and pick: do you want to play with you know, Street uh, Streets of Rage two or three style um, mechanics? And it's even broken down, so it's like the way that weapons work can be different from the way that they fall down. Uh, or like, do they scream bef- as they're dying or after they've hit the ground and are flickering away? They left that sort of level of <laughs> change over in there, but. Okay, so what you're saying is that the way they made this game, they they didn't have anything to reverse engineer. Like they must no, they just they didn't redraw the art, right? They, they really they took all of the <laughs> so art, they, built it from the ground up. Every line of code was from scratch, just by looking at it, and they figured all that shit out. Dude, there's got to be an easier way. <laughs> like, just I mean, people make ROM hacks all yeah, the time, <laughs> like Mame or something. I mean, but didn't didn't somebody didn't Sega come on come down on them like a ten ton hammer? Yeah, yeah it was him, like they made them take within it within the week. It's it's down now. I'm sure if you if you look around, you can still find it. Like I know I still have a copy of it because I snagged that shit right oh, away. Oh yeah, I mean, there's going to be a torrent of it. Somewhere. There is. There's got to be tremendous nostalgia for this property, though. And if they actually made it right, yeah. made a side-scrolling beat 'em up with today's technology and innovations to the kind of things that you can do in terms of gameplay. I think that would be awesome. I I just I still haven't seen it. Well, I, mean, I, I don't even know if you need to do that much. I mean, because now the, I think basically what happened is Sega came around and they shut them down, and then like a f- like within the same week, I don't know what the actual relationship was. They released like the iPad HD version of Streets of Rage Two, which was a horrible port, and that's you know when really why don't they just actually like pick the, like now this is done. They could be tell these guys you know here here's a hundred. You know, hundred thousand monies have it, and we'll sell this from now on because they've made you know a really smooth game. It feels better than a port. It feels like it actually should feel. Well, I mean that that's ni- a nice thing to think about, but I wish I was more abreast of like the legal complications. But I think companies just like won't do that. Just there, there's it's probably just too much. Like how a movie studio or a game studio will just flat out say, like, do not send us your ideas for properties, because if we have a similar idea, 
you'll say we were stealing it from you. So it's just to protect themselves. Like, I think stuff that is not made explicitly under their umbrella can be really hazy from a legal perspective, and they probably just prefer to avoid it entirely. If Graziella was in the room, I could ask her, but she's not here. But, like, what's going on here is they could do sort of, like, what they did with Cave Story and La Mulana is, you know, now they have this, but... When they made this remix, it's all, you know, stolen sprites from the original game. So you can tell the difference with which characters are from Streets of Rage 1, which were from 2, and which were from 3. And, you know, it's all the original music as well. Like, they could come around, and why can't they say, you know, uh, we're going to make, you know, we're going to build off of this, but we're going to get our own team to come in and make all new art and music assets and do, you know, nice remix, nice redoing, and update it that way. And then, you know, still you could actually get something nice about this that people would want instead of... Because people are probably going to get the ports of the old ones, but it's, you know, we have something better now, and you could get... I don't know. I don't know what people like to buy. I don't buy those things. (laughs) Halo. Um, I mean, if you you made, even if you just did, like, uh, an HD reskin where you just made the graphics super awesome and left the gameplay pretty much entirely the same and put it, you know, online for 5 to 15 bucks. I'm sure people would buy it. It's not just price, it's availability. You know, put put that stuff out there and I I think I mean, what's the point of sitting on a, a 20-year-old property that is not currently being marketed or capitalized in any sense you know i mean wouldn't you love to see another final fight game wouldn't you love to see an updated altered beast or they've tried with final fight many times and they've all been awful they've been terrible you know i'm just do it right (laughs) that's the hard part so you guys know that there is also a golden axe remake that just came out and has not been stripped from the internet yet so i think it's probably accurate that they are not releasing an iPad version of Golden Axe, so they're a little less quick to to get rid of the Golden Axe remake, even though it sounds kind of cool. They they said they they put some RPG elements in it, and I'm a sucker for that. I, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for the fact that the guy's named Axe Battler, and he fights with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something I'm noticing as I'm replaying this game: is that the yeah, like, I just killed the fat guy. No big deal. Um, enemies in this game are, like, super, super soft as compared to many other games of this type where you're... Like, I will use The Simpsons as an example where you're just beating on guys for, like, 40 minutes and with no idea whether they're going to die or not until what very near the end they start flashing red. And that's a frustration I had with... Uh, I played a little Monster Hunter now. I've come to the realization I don't hate it as much as I thought I did, but it's... I don't know. It's still got some problems. The choices of which is that, like, even the simplest guys take, like, ten minutes to kill. Mm. And it's just, like, exhausting fighting them. Where in this, like, they have guys with, uh, with really short life bars that exist basically to make you feel powerful. Which is actually, it's a direct comparison to what I noticed in Dragon Age 2, where they, they just throw these weaklings at you that you obliterate with one sword swipe on the way to the real guys. <laughs> and it makes you feel like such a badass, which, like, there's something to be said for player empowerment. Mm-hmm. 
And even though I haven't played this game in like a million years, I am using Axel, so I'm just basically using Terracotta every two seconds. But I'm on I'm on the end of the fourth level. Oh, I just got kicked in the face by a Kung Fu Man. Um, I'm on the end of the fourth level, and I still got six lives. And like, I haven't played this game in probably five years. <laughs> So like it, that's why you you make challenges for yourself like you you try and do not just terracotta but perhaps the the jumping short knee drop into the hold into the headbutt clutch you know or or the the fun activity of using Axel's backdrop throw to just throw enemies into other enemies and then you hit them with the terracotta so it's like insult to injury yeah but you could just use terracotta. I'm just thinking, well, yeah, but that's what he's saying. He's that you got to make it fun for yourself because the game, it, by its lonesome, isn't that hard, which is probably part of the reason why it endures so much. I mean, certainly, if I was playing it drunk, it couldn't have been that difficult. <laughs> ah, fucking Wrestle Man. Yeah, he's, he's super cheap. Uh, he's kicking my ass. Yes, you, you have to use special moves when he holds you or else you will just get annihilated. Yeah. Beat the game just with the backhand. <laughs> so, <laughs> that would be rough. So what I wanted to say is that I feel like the pinnacle of the form is one Guardian Heroes, which is like still a totally awesome game to this day that I would like to introduce Grotz to, but I need to find my uh, Saturn, because I tried to get Saturn emulators, and they do not do the... Their Saturn emulators, that, ga- that system came out like 15 years ago, and they're still awful, which is a testament to how poorly designed that thing was. Cause, well, because it had, like, the, the two processors that I remember everybody hated. But uh, Guardian Heroes is an awesome game. Primarily because it has super sweet role-playing elements, which Castle Crashers just, like, outright ripped off, to its credit. You get... With these role-playing elements, you get, like, different spells that are really neat, and there's these... There's a ton of branching paths. So while the game still takes only 45 minutes or so to beat, there's probably five or six ways to beat it before you've seen everything, including ways that, like, you can get this super OP sword for the fighter character along this one specific path that you might never find. Hmm. And <laughs> I doubt there's a market for it. I don't know. They they release these, like, brawler games on X-Blah, so they, they must make some money, but I guess that was... That was really more, like, a while ago. There's been re- precious few of those releases aside from, uh... X-Men, I guess, was the most recent one, and it seems like it was more just a sign of the times when Xbox was like, you can only have games that are 50 megabytes, which, hey, uh, all these console games we have are only like 8 megabytes, and we have to change them, basically, you don't have to change them at all, there's, they must have some sort of, uh, you know, emulation layer that just sort of plugs into it. They, they've got a probably an intermediary layer that's been set up for God knows how long, as long as they've been sending, selling emulated games, which is actually probably only like five years. But they have a layer that probably just hooks up to Virtual Console or Xbox Live. So most of the... It, my point is it takes very little work. Yeah, I mean, all, it, all it's going to cost them is, is a little bit of bandwidth. It, they should make that stuff available. It's got to be pure profit at this point. Well, it certainly is with the, some, the sometimes outrageous prices these games are. <laughs> yeah, I think I paid like 15 bucks for that X-Men arcade game. It, it might have been as little as 10 And I remember I beat it in 
45 minutes once I realized that I could just continue to hit the A button and use continues when I died. And I'm like, this was really not worth the money I spent on it. Well, just think about, you figure, I always use the the metric of about five bucks to beat one of these games in the arcade. I came upon that with The Simpsons, and it seems to hold generally true. So in buying this game, you're like, I have to play through this twice and, and actually have fun with it to get my money's worth. And I don't know if you can you can just, like, have... I don't know if there's $10 of fun left in, in X-Men Arcade, which is kind of sad because, like, $10 is not a lot of money. And these games were, like, 60 or $80, which is sort of just beyond belief. But, like, a lot of these games, like, I didn't play Streets of Rage 2 until it was emulated on some other console. Mm. Well, I, I got it because it was packed in with the Genesis that I bought. And for the longest time, it was like that and a cartridge-only version of Altered Beast that I got for five bucks from Funko, which was like the super shady, like before there was GameStop, this was like the, the totally ghettoized service that you would use. You'd send away your money and hope that they sent you the game and didn't just rip Oh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, I, when you said that, I was thinking Funko Land, yeah. which is like, my, my secret shame is uh, selling them River City Ransom for like 50 cents. No. And oh, just being like, no. that was when I, first off, that was when I was beyond stupid, but it took me a long time to learn not to sell video games. Yeah. And, uh, like deep into the PlayStation era at least. So, I got to the point where, like, the other day I was reading about Toe Ball number one for the PlayStation, which is like, that's a weird ass fighting game, dude. It was made by one of Square Enix's holdings, and it had a roguelike dungeon in it, which is, like, why I wanted to play it. But I was like, man, I sure could go for some Toe Ball number one. Too bad I sold it for probably, like, $4 because I was in college. Yeah. yeah. All I know is I sold Manhunt, and that's a sell I never look back on in shame. Yeah. Well, that's the question. How do you know? Yeah. There, there are plenty of opportunities where you just want to be rid of that game and never want to ever play it ever again. <laughs> I was poor at that. <laughs> I, sold, I sold Symphony of the Night. And that might be argue. That's arguably worse than River City Ransom. Um. All right. So, like, is there anything else to say? I think we've covered. Well, we've we've gone through this entire uh, conversation without ever mentioning that one of Skate's uh, grapple moves was to the flip migraine. Onto the, yes, flip onto the back of their <laughs> head and start punching them in the back of the skull. That is why I played Skate. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to start breaking out special moves, I don't think Terracotta has been specifically mentioned. And when we were playing the game, we thought Axel's uppercut was Terracotta. Like, the, the term Grand Upper never came into mind. <laughs> it was just always... And, not, like, at the time, it, it was Joel that had to be, like, Terracotta. Like, baked earth? And I was like, oh, is that what that means? <laughs> I just thought it was a sweet dragon punch. <laughs> what what is the one that Blaze said supposed to be? It's like No no no. No no no. <laughs> that's what we always said. I thought it was ho he he he. Maybe. I don't know. I remember <laughs> I don't no know what no it was no. supposed to be. <laughs> I also remember that Max had that like whack ass chop as his normal attack. Yes. <laughs> like yes. Well he's a wrestler, you know? That's it's it's a it's a chop. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty standard wrestle move, I suppose. Damn, stage five took it to me. I went from five <laughs> lives to two. 
Man, I was just thinking, this game's easy. I'm going to beat this game before the podcast's over. There's, what, seven levels? I'm on the beach now. Nine. I don't I remember. Nine? 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 nine. Oh, nine. I'm over this game already. All right, this <laughs> game does not hold up. <laughs> oh, don't lie. Don't lie. That game takes you on a magical adventure that, that ranges from the back alleys where the, where the gangers hang out to, like, a floating ship and a freight liner and a robot manufacturing factory. I mean, a, it, it kind of is literally a magical adventure because you do go to an amusement park. Patio where the bad guy's got a machine gun. I mean, come on. That game is... A tour de force of weirdness, and all of it's to rescue your partner from the first game, who's yeah. Skate's older brother. I fucking hate when they give the last boss a gun. <laughs> and that's just, like, what these games did. Like, so this guy, fight me with your hands like a man. He's like, no, I'm not an idiot. You've killed a thousand people on your way to me. I'll just shoot you. Was it Streets of Rage 2 or 3 where you could get, like, the bad end where it turns out that Mr. X was actually just a robot version of himself? That was Streets of Rage 3. Streets of Rage 3 had, like, all of these plot twists and multiple endings, and they apparently really chopped the hell out of it when they localized it. Like, in Streets of Rage 3, they, you, you're rescuing the president, and they changed it to, like, the mayor. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so really, like, lowered the scales. Like, yes, it was like a bad dude's thing. Oh, and, man. like, if you fail, the, the president gets blown up or something. <laughs> I guess if the president's being taken hostage, that explains why they just handed out rocket launchers to the police force. <laughs> That's sort of the scale you would expect. So the president's got a thing of dynamite wrapped around him, and while the continue clock counts down, he's got to try and blow it out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why you got to save him. Um, you know, again, like, there's a lot you can say about it, but I think a lot of it just comes from memory. And if you like crazy shit and games where you walk forward, you walk to the right, and you punch people a lot, this is a game you get. Because from everything that... It has everything the original games had. It has, you know, they did it... They put, like, a shop there now, so every time you beat the game, you get money, you unlock characters, you unlock... Uh, art and... Oh, man, that's my kryptonite, son. <laughs> I hate that shit, honestly. Really? I, I hate unlockable content. It is the most infuriating thing in the universe. I remember there was a Mortal Kombat game where you started with, like, six characters that you could play, and in order to play, like... In order to play as Liu Kang, you had to discover him in a bullshit minigame. Well, fighting, fighting games are... He, they're a specific example, because... I, I can think of especially like Super Smash Brothers Ball because frankly, nobody really played Mortal Kombat that much with friends compared to Smash Brothers. But Smash Brothers, you start with like ten guys, and there were more than twice that many in unlockable characters. So, oh well, I want to have fun with this game. I guess I'll just have to play it like a ton, even though I don't care about the single player. Which is, I remember listening to a podcast, some gaming podcast, and the dude's talking about the newest one, where you could do all the crazy stipulations to unlock a guy, or you could just play X amount of versus matches. And he was like, I set the matches to one life, and I just constantly walked my guy off the edge. And it's like, well, great. Why? And, and they, they essentially made concessions to the players in Super Street Fighter, because people hated having to unlock the characters, so all the characters in Super Street Fighter 4 were just unlocked already. Which, like, it, it's kind of cool sometimes. Me and my buddy used to play Mars Matrix. We used to play a lot of shooters together. And Mars Matrix had a store that you could use your points on. Which, 
I don't really even remember what the value of the store was. You, I think you probably got, like, background art and shit. But it was really exciting when we would get to the end of the game and be like, what can we spend our points on? But I think it, it, it only works if it's a game that you want to play anyway, and they don't put stuff you want to use behind that barrier, which limits your limits what you actually can put behind that barrier. That's kind of like what they did with Power Stone, because they had the sort of adventure mode, where as you picked up items, you'd be able to like save them for later, take them to the shop and combine them, and that would just give you new stuff on top of all of the stuff that was already in it. I am a proponent, limitedly, of persistence in games. Uh, in, in stuff that's non-competitive... It it gives you a bond, sort of, with your friends. Like, the, the new Contra game that came out, which has its ups and downs, has a really cool shop, which lets you buy stuff like upgrades for your weapons, which kind of makes the game easier for the most part. But it gives you... You can buy different moves and stuff, which is fun, because at the end of four levels of Contra, you're like, man, that was so hard. How will I ever beat level four? And you buy something that facilitates that, which is... It's fun, but it's also questionable in value because it's 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 annoying because you're taking it out of like the one play it's better when the game lets you get stronger without you having to lose and go back to some menu so you can go to a shop well yeah, try yeah. It again. i mean obviously the the ideal setup is you get stronger you as a player get stronger your avatar doesn't get stronger which is something that continually frustrates me about world of warcraft like i don't care about gear i want to fight the bosses and i wish there was just a level playing field where I could just fight the bosses and not spend time gathering gear, but that's not what most people prefer. Like I, I would, sit, I'd be a hundred percent behind you, but I still think Azona the Enders. As soon as you get zero shift, that makes you as powerful as you need to be. Well, but that—that's different. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, you're you're bouncing <laughs> off my point. Um, but that's something that's given in the progression of the game, which is is a different thing than. There's also they deliberately hobble certain elements of gameplay. How many Zelda games are like, well, man, I really can't wait till I find that fucking hook shot, you know, so I can actually yeah. <laughs> go over there, you know, or, or, I mean, even Castlevania Symphony of the Night was guilty of that, you know, you had to be able to get in mist form to go through that grate. Yeah, well, that's really a cop-out because it's basically keys for, for locked doors. They just don't call it that and maybe it has another use, but in the end, that's all it is. They, 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 they hoodwink you by making it something but something that's fun to use. Like, when you get the poison mist, you don't think of it as a key. You're like, oh, this is really cool. Now I can, like, poison guys, even though it has limited value. And they could have just given you that, that whole toolbox from the start. That happens a lot in... I guess they call them character action games. I've never been satisfied with that title, but games like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta, where you get the you get the weapon and then you got to buy moves for it, which is like, why don't I just have all the moves? But at the same time, that gives you going back way back to Paul's original point of like making your own fun. That is key to making your own fun in those games. Like long after I beat Devil May Cry, I if I'm playing a clean game on hard, like no persistence, I know exactly how much money I have to get in the most efficient way possible to get this move before the point that I need it, and it becomes a game that you've built on top of it, which is maybe dangerously close into, like, achievement territory, which is which is thin ice to tread on, but when I allow myself to be fooled, it can be a pretty fun experience. 
yeah. I, the kind of the only difference between that is if it's achievements, then it's not you know you're not getting the intrinsic value out of it because somebody's just dangling it in front of you. You're not doing it because you want to. You're doing it because somebody gave you a shiny. Yeah, I, they they suckered me for achievements for about three months, and then I was just like, wait a minute, this is bullshit. Well, like <laughs> I'm just thinking of of I I know this is going to induce groans when I say it, but any of the Dynasty Warrior games where you start the game with four moves. And you have to level up your weapon skill in order to unlock moves that, by all its intents and purposes, you should start the game with. You know, mm. granted, a lot of it's just you know square, 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 triangle, 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 and stuff like that. But still, I mean, like unless you're playing, granted, you can't play as Lu Bu to start off with in most of those ones. But <laughs> unless you're playing with a character who's so overpowered that their every move just cuts a swath through your enemies um, trying to play the game as certain characters when you only start with like a four hit combo is insufferable yeah mm. and yeah there, there's good ways and bad ways to do it but if you're playing Devil May Cry for example and you need 4,000 orbs to get the double jump you really miss that double Ooh. jump before you have it yeah 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 but that's I mean, that's just the style of game it is. I mean, it's like Metroid. You can like that or not like it, but it's never going to change. Like, yeah, it's it's functionable. It works and it's established. And like, technically, there's nothing wrong with it. There might be better ways to do it, but not better enough. But yeah, that was the thing. Streets of the remake of Streets of Rage. The only thing you really buy from the shop is a couple of characters, but it's all of the bonus characters who you'd have to like hold down the right button to get anyway it's like Shiva and Rue and Ash mm-hmm. um, and then all the other stuff is like you know images and soundtracks uh, you can buy cheat codes to you know like like uh, Soul Calibur's adventure mode where you'd be like oh I really hope this is a costume no it's more character art <laughs> it's a fighting <laughs> demonstration yeah well that's the other thing they don't hide it from you they just you know they tell you pretty much straight out what everything is it's just like do you want to buy the mode where guns have a limited ammo or the mode where you're always at three star combo level or do you want the mode where you get to play as bikini blaze <laughs> I guess that could be kind of fun if it's if it's stuff that if you're essentially unlocking cheat codes, stuff that doesn't dilute your your vanilla play of the game, then yeah, I guess that's not really problematic. And, and you know they do like sort of hurt like some some of it is just I think there's also like like weird like restriction modes like they might have like a you can't throw enemies kind of mode. If I couldn't throw enemies, I would probably cry. My en- entire philosophy of Streets of Rage Two is pretty much based on grappling. But yeah, it's that kind of stuff. And then what's actually kind of cool is the like most expensive thing you can buy is actually the Streets of Rage remake editor, which not only allows you to go in and like do custom palette swaps of every single thing in the game, but it basically like opens the editor so you can start adding in your own sprites and building your own levels and everything. Like I think you just are able to in game buy the tools that they use to make the game, which I don't know how excited that makes you guys, but over here, we are fucking nuts for that stuff. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's kind of cute, but if you were somebody who was really into that, like, maybe you did not even want to play the game that much, you just wanted to edit things, I could see how that could be really frustrating. Like, as if you were playing Minecraft, and they were like, well, if you want to build your own stuff, you gotta do these X amount of tasks before you can actually do that. But that's the other thing. If Sega took them down, they may 
try to pull that out and release sort of like just the editing tools without the the game attached, and they'll be like, we did all this work, we don't want to see it go to waste. Right. And I bet it's going to be better than the Team Senile venture, Beats of Rage, which where they tried to do the exact same thing, except they made a really crappy engine which crashes every time you try to run it on any OS. But that was one where you could like instantly port it to the Dreamcast and just burn it and play it on a console. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> when I, I I spent a brief amount of time with my Wii where I figured I had I put the homebrew on it so I could play Fatal Frame Four, and that led me to to looking into other homebrew stuff. And I found like a Nintendo emulator, and you guys might be familiar with this. There's a Nintendo game called Sweet Home, which plays kind of like Dragon Warrior, but is sort of the the seminal survival horror game, which is a really weird thing to say about a Nintendo game, but I was like, huh. finally, I can play this game because I can play it on a on a console. Like, I just stick it on my Wii, and it's like I'm actually playing the game. I mean, it was for the NES? Yeah, it was... I don't remember... It, it was directed by somebody whose name you might recognize. I don't remember who, but that's something to, to consider. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not trying to to go off on too many tangents. But yeah, so that's that's pretty much what this game has to offer. Uh, if you can find it, if the suits don't come after you. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, get your torrent, boot your torrent program up, it's out there somewhere. Uh, you probably don't even need torrents, there's probably just still stray forum links, because, like, all they, they didn't even, like, on the actual Streets of Rage remake site. They don't even have a thing that says we're not allowed to publish it anymore because Sega came up our asses. They just had, like, the only thing they did was they just backspaced the part that had the link in it. So I think if you, <laughs> if you, like, look to, like, certain, da- like, certain stray forum links, there actually are direct links to the file that is still on their site. Well, that's good. It's something if Sega listens to this podcast, they're clued in now. <laughs> it's okay. I can still play it. I'm selfish like that. You'll never get me, copper. All right, you want to shut this thing down? Yeah, okay. So, uh, Streets of Rage Remake. I guess we're not allowed to put a link to it, but if you look on it, you'll find it, and you can visit. Uh, if we could put the link to it, you would be able to find it at the website at olikustudios.net. You can send us feedback, podcast at olikustudios.net. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, I don't, we're other places. Uh, how about you guys? Give us uh, give us some plugs for yourself. <laughs> I do Fast Cry for the Gentleman. It's a podcast for your imagination, and it can be found at DaveAndJoel.com. I recommend going... I don't recommend going to FastKarate.com. I don't know where that leads you, but I do not <laughs> own that website. Uh, if you go there, you may be able to get 50% off Krav Maga classes in New York. <laughs> See and karate sparring gear, cold steel swords. So that might that might appeal to you too. Well, more it's than important the to have a cold would. steel sword if you're going to be, you know, karate that's, chopping that's fairies. That's 440 steel. <laughs> I'm Paul Chapman, sometimes known as the Almighty Gubrazilla. You can find the greatest movie ever podcast at gubrazilla.wordpress.com or fearthegubrazilla.com, which is the domain that I own. But I'm not a web programmer, and I don't know how to do most of that stuff i also have the uh, short fiction with my lovely and sultry voice doing my own original works at the silicon chickens project at siliconchickens.wordpress.com original works of fiction both humorous and macabre and uh 
if Streets of Rage 2 was a person, I would have sex with it. Male or female, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all about the personality, dude. Yes. It's what's under the skin. Yes. Um, but I want to thank you both so much for joining me. This was a fun time. And um, I guess we'll see everybody next week. Later. Thanks for having me. Sexually. Whoa. <laughs> I'm going I'm to hit the stop on this. Well, uh, I, I don't know who I am or what this place is. Seven boyfriends. <laughs>